Welcome to Impact, a podcast ministry of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Middleton, Wisconsin. Impact features interviews with gifted Bible teachers who will help you gain a greater understanding of Scripture so that it has a greater impact on your life. The host of Impact is Mark Jenstead, the Staff Minister for Nurture at St. Andrew. everyone. Thank you for being here today. It's a pleasure to share God's word with you. And as we continue to celebrate Christmas, may Jesus remain front and center and receive all the honor that he is most worthy of. My guest from last week is back, Pastor John Billets. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you, Mark, too. Just, yes, we're basking in the glow, the afterglow of Christmas, right? Before we talk about Jesus, uh, we'll keep him front and center. But uh, first, how about a, a a Christmas tradition or two in the Billets family, either now or as as little John Billets growing up. <laughs> Probably the biggest tradition that we have, and I believe our parents, my parents started this, and I'm sure I'm not alone. I bet there's a lot of a lot of you out there that do this. But before any gifts are open, and we're a Christmas Eve opening family, um, but uh, church happens first, and then we read Luke two together, uh, just alternating verses. How many ever people are in the room? You take one verse at a time and read the 20 verses of Luke 2. And it's a, a very, very meaningful way to, to uh, first of all, include everyone. Uh, as soon as kids can read, they're included in the, uh, so now it's nieces and nephews uh, that, are, that are reading those things. And, uh, but just a beautiful way to remind what gift was first given uh, and why we're giving gifts to each other to remember the, the greatest gift of all. Fantastic. I love that. It's a, it's a way to keep Jesus front and center, that's for sure. How about, how about uh, Christmas songs? I, I love Christmas hymns. Do you have a favorite or two you can tell us about? I'll give you two. One is a classic, uh, Oh Holy Night, I could listen to over and over and over again. Uh, that, and, and that is just probably my favorite Christmas hymn. Um, but there's a more recent hymn, uh, probably in the last 15 years, I don't know if I'll call it a hymn, a song. Uh, the group's name is Cutlass, and it's just called This is Christmas. And if you get a chance to listen to that sometime, uh, there's children singing Joy to the World in the background, and it just is one of, those, one of those songs that, for me, just has a lot of impact about what Christmas is all about and, and uh, keeping Jesus front and center. So This is Christmas by Cutlass, if you want to check that out. I have a feeling people are YouTubing it. Right when we're done here, right when they're done listening. That's fantastic. And, and uh, Oh Holy Night, I'm with you on that one. I love that one. I have so many. I, I could not tell you my favorite. I'd have to narrow it down to probably a top 10. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, Oh Holy Night, Carrie Underwood has that on her Christmas album and just just belts it out like she only she can. Yeah. Fantastic. So find that one too, folks. Okay, so Merry Christmas, everyone. It's great to have you back. We're here talking with Pastor Bill. It's about... Matthew chapter 1, the story of the birth of Jesus, found in Matthew 1 and Luke 2. We're in Matthew 1 today, and where we left off is uh, what the angel told Joseph. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Take her. Uh, this son of yours is going to save his people from their sins, and that is why we want you to give him the name Jesus. So let's start there. What does what the name Jesus mean? Where does it come from? What's the etymology of that name? Yes, yeah, so Jesus is a Greek 
I suppose you could say, transliteration of a Hebrew word, Yeshua, which in our English transliteration would be Joshua. So if you named your child Joshua, uh, and then you decided that you're going to use the Greek version of that, it would, it would be Jesus. And so it was not an uncommon name at all. Uh, and yet, in this case, think of how special that is. If, if the word Yeshua, Joshua means God saves, then in Jesus you have those two parts fulfilled exactly as they're said. It's Jesus who's God, and it's Jesus who saves. So, could there be a more fitting name for the baby that was born in Bethlehem than to call him Jesus, that God saves? That's what he was on the earth to do. Do you have children, Pastor? I do. I know I you have, do. I have three children. Let me try that again. Uh, how many children do you have, Pastor? <laughs> I have three, yes. T- tell us their names, please. So Amber, Adam, and Annika. Why okay. we chose three na- A names just is to confuse the children, I think. <laughs> All right. Amber, Adam, and Annika. Annika. Yep. Very good. Merry Christmas to Thank those you. Thank you. children of yours. Maybe they're listening today. Okay. Uh, a more serious question here. As the angel says to... Joseph, that your son, you give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. We talked last week of what, what it means that he will save his people. Why do we need saving from sin? And this is the part of Christmas that is hard to emphasize when everybody feels great about being at church and excited about the birth of Jesus, and right, rightfully so. But the birth of Jesus tends to be meaningless unless we realize why that birth is so important. And saving from sin, uh, think, I think of Isaiah chapter 59, your iniquities have separated you from God. He has hidden his face. Because of your sins, he has hidden his face from you. The scripture speaks very clearly about what our sins do. Uh, when I think of uh, James chapter 2, verse 10, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Or, or Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. There's an expectation that a holy God can have of each one of us. And that expectation is sinlessness, spotless lives that, that, are, that are righteous, not only because we pursue righteousness, but righteous because we've never sinned. And because none of us can claim that, because we're born sinful, because we commit sins every single day, we need someone who could come and bring us back together with God, who could make us at one with God again. And and that's exactly why God sent Jesus, to wash away sins, to take away what stood between us and God so that God can see us holy and blameless and heirs of eternal life. And that wonderful grace that God gives us in Jesus is undeserved, isn't it, Pastor? Yes, there's not, uh, there's not much that, that you and I can do to earn that. Well, let's correct that. There's nothing that we can do. Uh, Romans chapter 5, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? This was not, uh, God didn't look and say, boy, there's a few people that are worth saving, so that's why I'm going to send my son. None of us were worthy of what God, sa- God, God sent Jesus to do, and yet in his grace and mercy, Jesus came to save us from our sins. I once read this as, as I guess, uh, kind of a definition of salvation. See what you think of this. Salvation is God saving us from God. That's very accurate because God has every right to look at our lives on the basis of just what we can do and 
to condemn us, say they're, they're not good enough. They haven't measured up to my holy demands. But by sending his son, Jesus, who took our place, God sees not us, but the righteousness of Jesus in our place. And yes, that's a great way to say it. God saves us from God. We talk about, as Christians, we want to be very careful. We don't get too wrapped up into the commercialization of Christmas. And we talked about it at the beginning here today, that we keep Jesus front and center because Jesus is what Christmas is all about. You said last week, Good Friday. And it's not, it's not wrong to, to keep the cross in view of the manger, is it? Not at all. And, and I think that's ultimately where, even at Christmas, that's where we, our thoughts need to ultimately go. Because Jesus didn't stay that cute little baby in the manger in Bethlehem. He grew up, and he grew up to live a perfect life in our place, but he grew up to suffer an agonizingly horrible death on the cross to pay for our sins. And then Easter Sunday. He left the tomb so that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that sins have been paid in full. Yeah, I appreciate that. I guess that's where I was going with that is, is the idea that uh, I, I sometimes wonder if, if the world gets this idea of Christmas that it's, it's, it's about a cute little baby in a manger. And it's so much more than that. I mean, because you can keep, you can keep Jesus front and center at your Christmas but yet, if he's just a cute little baby, still missing something there. Uh, yeah, I agree. And, and, and again, it's great to celebrate God sending his own son to this world uh, for us. But that involved more than just a humble birth in Bethlehem. And, and that humble birth became the humility with which Jesus was willing to go to the cross, who, who didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Very good. Let's, let's get back into the text here in Matthew. So I'm looking at verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. So everything took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. This is the first of 10 times that Matthew introduces something by saying that what took place was to fulfill a promise of God. Why does Matthew specifically so often point that out? I'm going to take you back to last week, and, and this is where uh, people a lot wiser than I came up with those words, expected and unexpected Jesus. Because to Matthew's readers, the expected part was that there was going to be a Messiah that was coming. They were waiting for that, and so they knew those Old Testament prophecies. The unexpected part was that Jesus was going to come not to overthrow the Roman government, but to overthrow sin and death and Satan. And so that unexpected part is why Matthew keeps coming back again and again for the sake of his readers and assurance for us, this Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of these Old Testament prophecies. Yeah, and every time he says this happened to fulfill the prophecy, it's like one more proof that we have that all of those things that God said hundreds of years before Jesus came, Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of. So verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And here's the quote. The first quote, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. So let's just stop right there. So there, Matthew is quoting Isaiah. What can you tell us about this Isaiah verse that Matthew quotes about Jesus being born of a virgin? Yeah, fascinating because it's very unusual circumstances. That was a promise made from God through Isaiah to a king by the name of Ahaz. King Ahaz, I think we would have to say, was not, would not be considered a great example of a faithful king in Judah. 
He was from the line of David, however, and because he was from the line of David, as he faced his enemies, both the king of Israel from the north and the Syrian king, who were causing Ahaz trouble, he wanted to know if God was going to protect him. And and Isaiah assured him that he was. And he went so far as to say, God has even made you this offer, King Ahaz, because you don't trust him. I'll give you a sign. If you want a sign that I'm going to do this and preserve you because you are of the line of kings that are coming from David and are going to connect the dots between David and Jesus, I'll give you a sign. And then almost in, could I say, like a, a fake show of piety, Ahaz says, well, no, 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 no. I can't put God to the test like that. I'm not going to ask God for a sign. And Isaiah says, well, you didn't ask for one, but I'm going to give you one anyway. God's going to give you one anyway. And that's chapter 7, verse 14 that's quoted here. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son. You might know, and some of your listeners might know, that there's some debate in Christian circles or, or, or in religious circles about the word virgin because the Hebrew word is alma. And that has more definitions than, than just the idea of virgin. But the Holy Spirit really helps out with this because when we get to the Matthew 1, there's the Greek word that's used there, parthenos, is without question a woman who has never been intimate with a man. It, it refers to a virgin. And so that, that the way that Matthew speaks about the prophecy from Isaiah demonstrates the understanding that people had that this was going to be a, an amazingly special birth, a virgin birth. And of course, the context helps a great deal too, doesn't it? For sure. It? Yeah. Okay, so uh, continuing on then in, in Matthew, uh, verse 22, so the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So here I think of that great Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. What can you tell us about the name Emmanuel? It, it is a, that is the actual Hebrew word, Emmanuel. Uh, and Emmanuel simply means with us, God, if they, you want to make it from start to f- finish of the word, or God with us. With so, us, God, because yeah. that L, L is at God the end at is God. The end, correct. Like Daniel. Eman is with us, is what it means. And so you ask, and maybe you didn't ask the question yet, so I'm getting ahead, but why sometimes with an E and one, why sometimes right. with an I? Right. Why is it spelled Emmanuel and Emmanuel? And I, I, the, the best I can tell you is this, a, 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 a literal transliteration of the Hebrew would be an I. However, when the Hebrew was translated into Greek, it was very common for the vowels to uh, be more Greek, and so that's when it became an E. And so it's the same word, just spelled in two different ways, depending on how you're handling it with language. I suppose it's no different than, uh, than the way we spell names. Some people spell names with this letter and, and some with a different letter. Emmanuel and Emmanuel are the exact same name. Uh, they come to us through different etymologies, ultimately. But it's, it goes back to the Hebrew. And, and in that original Isaiah prophecy, you uh, give the name Emmanuel. That's exactly what the word says in, in the Hebrew. And again, what a great blessing it is, folks. I, I speak on behalf of our listeners here, Pastor, when I say this very sincerely that I am so thankful and we are so thankful and uh, blessed as a synod that our pastors are trained in the biblical languages of Hebrew and Greek. Now, I don't know if, if I don't know where you rate, rate yourself as a Hebrew and Greek scholar, Pastor, but you've studied both languages a lot. Yes, I, I'm thankful for the professors and the classmates and the other pastors who have guided me. 
uh, the word Hebrew and Greek and scholar would never be in the same sentence when, <laughs> when it comes to me. But <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Uh, but it, what a tremendous blessing it is, right? I mean, you you, sure. you do when you prepare a message, Pastor. Yep. I'm getting off the subject here, but when you prepare a Sunday sermon. You go to the original languages every time, don't you? I do. And and the thing that it helps most, and I think every pastor will tell you this, is it brings pictures into your preaching. So you might not every Sunday say, well, let me tell you about this original word in the Hebrew or Greek. Um, but those those words sometimes fill out the, the way that you preach law and the way you preach gospel and the pictures that you bring into the text because... Some of the words that, that are used are just so loaded with imagery that it, 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 it assists your preaching for sure. Very good. And uh, we appreciate that, uh, that you do that. Back to the name Emmanuel, God with us. Speaking of uh, our minds being blown, I think you mentioned that last week with the virgin birth. Well, God is with us. Yeah. Verse from Colossians 2, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That's God with us. Yep. Yeah, no, you you read verses like that, and I think especially if we're familiar with them or we hear them often, it's sometimes almost just like old hat. And and it is a wonderful thing just to stop and say, what does that mean? What does that mean that God is with us? And and, uh, think about John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That, that should blow our minds. It should just make us stop and, and say, what did God do? How is this even possible? And, 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 and uh, you and I had a chance to visit about this a couple weeks ago, uh, but Martin Luther often talked about the five miracles of Christmas. And, and I suppose there's a lot more that you could list, but, but Luther loved, loved to list five miracles of Christmas. And, and the five in no particular order necessarily are that God became flesh, that, that God took on human flesh. Uh, the second one is that uh, that there was a virgin birth, that Jesus was born of a virgin. And then he would, the next three miracles are kind of interesting because miracle number three that he lists is that Mary believed the angel's message. You're going to give birth to a son that has been conceived in you by the Holy Spirit. Let it be to me as you have, say, as have said, Mary said. And then the next one he would list is that Joseph believed, that Joseph is told, um, don't worry, what's conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. And he's like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get married and everything will be good. And then the last one, and I love this one, is Martin Luther would say the fifth miracle of Christmas is that you and I believe. That even though we haven't seen, uh, blessed are they who have not seen and yet have believed. And, and that is a credit not to us, but to the Holy Spirit who plants faith in our hearts who, for some of us, from the very first time we can remember celebrating Christmas, we've had that faith. And for others that are new to the faith, what a blessing that the Holy Spirit has brought you to the conviction that that little baby in Bethlehem is so much more than just a, a cute little child that was born at Christmas time, but a, the Savior of all mankind. God gets all the credit. He does. How about the, what we're talking about here, Pastor? God with us is really the doctrine of incarnation. Can you explain that word, first of all, incarnation? Yeah, incarnation just means that he took on flesh. He took on human flesh, that, that Jesus now became a human being, that, that he put on human skin. And, and you think about the riches that Jesus gave up to, to come from heaven to earth and then subject himself to what he did. And yet the mystery of the whole incarnation is that while he looked human and became human, he was still fully God at the same time. 
And we see that obviously in his miracles, but, but that giving up of the full use of his power as God and coming to this earth and yet existing as fully God and fully man is one of those mysteries of scripture that, again, just blows our minds and we thank God for. Are there errors of the doctrine of incarnation to be aware of and, and to uh, watch out for? I, I think the errors come in when we misunderstand, and this has happened throughout history, that Jesus was only one or the other, that for a time he was only man uh, and, and then a later became God again. Sometimes we have the idea that it was sort of like uh, two different people glued together, like he's part God and part man. And I think those are some of the, the errors because it, it, it doesn't square with human reason. I don't understand how someone can be fully God and fully man in the same person, but I understand that that's how the Bible describes Jesus. One story that I think of that helps me is Jesus calming the storm because there is Jesus, fully man, sleeping on a boat because he's tired. And then he stands up and he tells the storm to be still and it does. That's true God and true man right there in the boat. Yeah, and, and the disciples' reaction says it all, right? Who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him, right? So there, there's, there's both, right? There, don't you care if we drown? And then two minutes later... Uh, who is this this man that we're we're following? And I apologize if I'm being redundant here and asking you to elaborate on something you've already talked at length about. But God is a baby. Yeah. God is a baby. That that should really break our brains, shouldn't it? It, it should, it, and it should simply because who would ever think? If you and I were going to set out and say we have to save mankind, we have to save the world uh, because they've disobeyed a God that that is holy. The plan that any of us could ever come up with. To, to make that a, the wrongs right would never involve sending our own innocent son, if we're God, our own innocent son to earth to take the place of human beings and then to actually become fully human while he was fully God. Yeah, that should break our brains for sure. How about this, folks? Think about this. Uh, God came to live with us so we could live with him. Okay, so the obedience of Joseph, pastor, getting back to the text. So when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do. He took Mary home as his wife. Uh, what do we learn about obedience from Joseph? And while I most likely would not, you make this a huge focal point of a Christmas service to talk about Joseph's obedience because we're going to talk about Jesus and his birth there is a lot to be said about the fact that, that Joseph recognized that God's plan was better than his own. Uh, and no matter what Joseph thought, what God thought was more, more important. And I think there's a, there is a great lesson for us in this because we are so limited in the scope of what we can see. And we think we know this is the best way for my life to go. This is what should happen next. Here's what should happen in my life if I'm truly going to be happy. And sometimes God has to say, but, but I, know, I know better. I know better. And to follow God's will for us, to recognize how big our God is, the same God who sent Jesus to die for us is the one who will graciously give us all things because he didn't spare his own son. And then the final verse of the chapter, I don't want to read too much into this, but uh, uh, we talked about this last week, but I would like uh, you to reiterate, Pastor, what, what you think we take here from this final verse. So I'm going to set it up by reading verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. Yeah, again, the, just no misunderstanding of the source, where the, where the child that was born came from. 
uh, that he was not the offspring of Joseph and Mary, but he was the offspring of God the Holy Spirit who conceived what was in Mary in her, and that's what made Jesus so special. And then can we take from this verse additionally that uh, this this verse uh, kind of infers that after Jesus was born, then uh, Mary and Joseph did what husbands and wives do, and they made more babies. That that's a fair that's a fair conclusion, particularly because the rest of Scripture talks about Jesus' brothers and sisters. And it ends here with, and he gave him the name Jesus. So more obedience from Joseph, but as you said, the obedience of Joseph is not central to. Uh, Christmas, it's about Jesus, and the baby born was given the name Jesus, which again means he's our Savior. So that's it, uh, Pastor. Do uh, you have a preference? Uh, if you, if you, let, let's put it this way if, if you're preaching on Christmas Day and uh, you have to choose between Matthew 1 or Luke 2, where do you go? Probably I, I, I like to alternate them because they're, they're different aspects of the story. Um, I do love to talk about the miracle that Joseph just sort of accepted what God said through the angel and said, oh, okay, that makes sense because it couldn't have made sense to him. And yet faith overcomes reason and says, this is what God says, so this is what's true. Uh, and Joseph did everything just as God had commanded him. And then, of course, Luke is is very familiar to us because right. that's typically what we use with children. And you mentioned right. that you use that in your we family. Do. We do. Maybe we'll switch this year. <laughs> there you go. Read Matthew 1 with the family. Yes, right. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Pastor. I, I hope that you continue to have a, a wonderful Christmas celebration as it continues into the new year. And uh, thanks for being here again today. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. What a, a joy to talk about what Jesus means to us and, and what he's done to save us. And, and I drive all over for these impact episodes, uh, New Ulm, Appleton, Milwaukee. It's, it's nice to be able to drive to Madison since I live in Madison. So can we have you back again? If, if you are willing to have me, I would be happy to do it. Very good. We'll, we'll talk off air about when and, when and what. Sounds great. Let's have this as a closing prayer, folks. Uh, this, I, I mentioned, uh, it's hard for me to narrow it down to having just one favorite Christmas hymn, but if I had to, this would be it. So we'll have this uh, be our closing thought. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to Impact, a ministry of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Middleton, Wisconsin. If you have a question or feedback to share, send an email to impact at saint-andrew-online.org. Please tell your friends and family about Impact and keep this ministry in your prayers. Impact is new every Monday and all past episodes are available. The greater you understand scripture, the greater impact it will have on your life.